Okay, so Proverbs chapter 26 today, picking up, not sure how many verses we're going to read. We'll just get going and then talk about it. So like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an under an undeserved curse does not come to rest. A whip of the horse, a halter of the donkey, and a rod for the backs of fools. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Like cutting off one's feet or drinking violence is the sending of a message by the hand of a fool. Like a lame man's legs that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. Like a thorn brush in a drunkard's hand is the proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like an archer who wounds at random is he who hires a fool or any passerby. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a wise man in his own eyes? There is more hope for him, uh, more hope for a fool than for him. Dear goodness, there's a lot of addressing those who are fools. I think I want to start, or not think, I, mean, I guess I do think I want to start. I want to look up what is the meaning of a fool in Proverbs 26. Google. Let's go. The answer, Geneva.edu. I don't even know who those guys are. I've looked up Geneva College before, I guess, uh, not to go to school there, but I think that's what it is, Geneva College. When you Google that, that's the first thing that comes up. Dr. Bill Edgar, former chair of Geneva, 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 Geneva College Board of Trustees. Form. Okay, that's great. So verse four to five, answer. Okay, that's not going to tell me. Biblical definition of a fool. Disobedient and godless. The wise man is identified as the righteous man. So is the fool referred to as the wicked man. Okay. Like summer in snow or rain in harvest, honor is not fitting for one who is disobedient or godless. Diso like disobedient to what? I think is where I would start my question. We talked the other day when we were discussing Proverbs 21, that idea of rightness or justness that was addressed here when it was talking about the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. All man's ways seem right to him. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And so, obviously, the fool would be the one who is not obeying that rightness or justness according to what the word of God says. Now, that I, that's a little bit different definition, I think, that what our cultural setting would say, hey, a fool is fill in the blank. Just somebody who's unwise, makes poor decisions, probably is not wise with their money or how they spend it, or maybe they're lazy or whatever it is. social, cultural context you're 
living in inside like the subculture that you're living in let's say you're a high school student somebody who's foolish would be somebody who doesn't do their homework doesn't pay attention in class is not taking that really seriously in terms of there are certain things I need to get done in order to if I want to you know fill in the blank if I want to be an architect and I want to go to school at Texas Tech that has a good architectural program that is I think fairly challenging to get in not to bust on any of the Red Raiders but still that like tech is not seen as a highly academic hard school to get into however that certain school inside that school I think is a is a hard one to get in and it's like really well respected somebody who's after that it would be foolish of them not to take their homework and their schoolwork and their testing seriously in order to have the right GPA in order to do that I when I was in high school was not a studious person and so inside that subculture would be those were foolish decisions that I looked at back and went man like I wish I would I took German I wish I would have paid more attention in German then actually learned it why because later on when I was doing a pre PhD to get into the PhD that I was wanting to pursue that I did not I don't have a PhD stopped pursuing that because I, I I hit a ceiling like I just I could not manage that amount of reading and writing that it was going to take to get through it as I got, I was in the on-ramp and going, but I wished, man, I felt like God, those were foolish decisions to not be highly invested at 15, 16, 17 years old to learn that language so that it would have positioned me to sit down and be like, I don't need these five classes of theological German, or I could have taken them, but it would have been much easier going had I spent four years investing heavily and then kept up with that practice of like where where are arenas that I can help keep that language fresh so that when I do sit down and I've got five of these classes, I'm not buried in literally thousands of words of vocabulary. So that, like that was a foolish thing to do. So uh, like, what am I going with right now? Just like what, as we think foolishness in the either culture or subculture that we live in, whether that's I mean, that, there's your example for school, whether it's school, it's work, it's athletics, it's whatever it may be that we would attach to how we define a fool, a fool, according to like what we're seeing in Proverbs is going to be somebody who is disobedient to the rightness and justness that's communicated in the word of God. And uh, somebody who is quote godless, meaning they're living as if there is no God in their thought process. And so Solomon says the same way snow shouldn't exist in summer in golly rain is not beneficial during the harvest because you are trying to harvest the wheat or the cotton or the corn or the whatever crop it is that you've grown that you're now they didn't have a tractor that's going through there as well that was my first thought like man I'm driving a tractor through mud in the rain and I'm trying to harvest the corn or the wheat or the cut, whatever, again, whatever it is that you're harvesting, that's probably not what's in his mind because he doesn't have a tractor, but still in his mind of that is a mess inside of a, a crop field while you're trying to harvest. Like that's not okay. You do not want that. So it's the same way of like, you're not bestowing honor on a person who is ungodly. What does honor mean in the bible so as like as i go back and reread if i'm studying again i studied uh 
professional, the word, I don't know, did a lot of higher education in the studying of the Bible. That's like all that I did in my college and uh, graduate and then graduate again studies. And I still have to ask questions as I sit down and go, like, I'll read things and I'll pull, like, usually when I read Proverbs, I don't sit down and start like, okay, honor, fool, like, okay, really, am I, how deeply contextual am I going? But at the same time, you're still picking up, like, yeah, I'm picking up the wisdom that's going in here. And I'm just, it's a refreshing, Proverbs is always like a realignment for me. But if I'm asking some questions, the first place that I will start is I'll go to Google, and like this one right here, honor, what does honor mean in the Bible? And so it pulls up biblestudytools.com was the first thing that popped up. Click on it. It says honor, social term describing how people within a society elevate one another. Yeah, we know that. Most occurrences of honor in the Old Testament are translations of some form of kabod. Kabod. While in the New Testament, they are derivatives of timio, T-I-M-A-O. These terms are generally used with reference to honor granted fellow the honor granted fellow human beings, though in some cases they are used to describe the person or honor a person grants God. Well, what are we getting at? Well, here we go. The root of kabod literally means heavy or weighty. The figurative meaning, however, is far more common to give weight to someone. To honor someone is to give them weight. I obviously like to give them value, to give them authority, to give them position, to give them elevation and weight while honor is an internal attribute of respect courtesy and reverence it should be accompanied by appropriate attention or even obedience honor without such action is incomplete it is lip service isaiah 29 13 god the father for example is honored when the people do the things that please him do the things not just say first corinthians 6 20 parents are honored through the obedience of their children so as i read that and i'm like okay wow uh, god is honored when we quote, do the things that please him or are obedient to what he has told us to do. So what, what has he told everybody to do? And I don't mean like, what, what, do you, what did God tell you to do today? Like, what do you feel like God's telling you? He's telling you the same thing he told all of us. Matthew 28, he said, go tell everybody you can about Jesus and what I have done for you so that you can find forgiveness and life and hope and healing. He told us all that in James 5, 16, he said, go confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you can find healing. Like that's a normative thing in Ephesians. He said, fight to keep the unity inside the body, inside the family, inside those who would say, like, I've trusted Jesus fight for unity inside that. He said very clearly, like those who are hungry, who are naked, who are uh, in need, provide for them those things. And Ryan is calling me. I am positive. Okay, we're back. I am actually not even sure where I was at in that discussion on what I was doing. So move to verse two, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. Like that's a, that one's a challenge. What in the world does that mean? Proverbs 26 to meaning. You get into like curses and things like that. That's it's a little it's a little heavy uh, let's see the first thing that pops up when i type that in helpingupmission.org 
he'll handle that for me. Apparently that's actually the first two. So they wrote something about this. The wise saying compares two things from the living world, a fluttering sparrow and a darting swallow. <clears throat> so two birds. One is like, boop, boop, boop. the other is. Both are small birds that keep on the move. Easily spooked, they neither stop anywhere for long. Hmm. Both birds are compared to an undeserved curse. Admittedly, they would not seem to have anything in common, but it's what they do that is similar. These birds never settle down anywhere. That would be like this undeserved curse, which does not come to rest. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, a curse might go out in, the, in this verse. It is undeserved and has no real impact on the one cursed. Whatever you feel about curses, I don't think it really matters in relation to what's discussed here. All right. I, who wrote this? Pastor Gary Byers. While a curse might go, and I don't know where to do that. The message of this wise saying is that when we are doing the right thing, we don't have to worry about something or someone sneaking up on us and messing things up. While God isn't mentioned, there's no question that he's the one who keeps things even. If he does allow something to come my way, it may be for my benefit and good. It will add value to my life on some level or he won't let it stick. So one day at a time, let's get back out there and do the next thing or the next right thing. All right. So rightness and justness, according to Gary Byers, the deputy director of helpingupmission.org, I guess that's just helping up mission and that's their website, is that those who are doing things that are right, those who are just, those who are godly, those who are not fools, as would be the contrast in this entirety of this passage that we're looking at verses one through 12 that uh, someone trying to hamper or even curse you it isn't going to carry weight or impact i wonder if solomon is communicating a curse as we would like a like kind of that dark like kind of the mystical or if it's just someone saying things that are unkind untrue or i saw a great quote todd wagner tweeted Todd was the pastor, the lead pastor at Watermark for a while. While I was there, uh, he was the lead pastor. Great dude. Loved being around him. And he tweeted and it said, no, it wasn't a tweet. It was something I wrote in my, I was going through my journal from 2012, 2013, when I was in the residency program there the other day, I was just looking at, I kept the back of my journal. I kept a list of like great quotes. If somebody said something, I go write it down and then say who said it. Uh, and the quote was, Anytime somebody says something about you, if it's true, change it. If it's not, dismiss it. And then not long ago, he tweeted, uh, it's, what was it? It's like, it was like, it's a good thing. Uh, what was it? So it was to the effect of like when somebody says something about you that isn't true, it's a good thing to dismiss it, but it's even it's even a greater thing to not even respond to it. And it's probably in response to some things that I'm sure have been said uh, inside the social world about him or about kind of the storyline of uh, him leaving where he was at and the reasons why and all that kind of stuff. But one of those, it was like, golly, that's a, that's just an encouraging thing. And a reminder of like, I, the only thing I can control is me. I can't control what someone else does. I can't control what else someone says. I can't control what someone else thinks. That's always been a challenge for me in terms of, especially uh, at this point in life, there's a, there's a lot I've experienced um, 
inside of being a pastor and, and things that I couldn't control and things people thought or said and that kind of thing. And it's very similar in being a coach in what is maybe even more so as everyone, somebody told me one time, they're like, everybody thinks they can teach the Bible and they think they can coach football. Those are two things that everyone, everyone thinks they can do. And neither are easy uh, as Peter wrote and said, Hey, like maybe not many of us should want to be teachers uh, because that there's a heavy weight that goes with that. And then coaching football is it's one thing to watch football on Sunday or on Saturday or on Friday night, or even Thursday, if it's JV. Uh, and then I guess, depending on where you go to school, middle school, seventh and eighth grade. And then Saturday, again, when you're peewee, that's, that's always funny to me how, like when you're little, you play football on Saturday. And then it shifts to seventh and eighth grade. It's either Tuesday or Thursday night. Uh, and I guess some places play Wednesday again, depending on where you go to school. So the day moves. So it moves to somewhere in midweek and then high school, you play Friday night. And then it isn't until college, you're back to Saturdays. And so it just always well, interesting. It's like we're 12 on Saturday and we're 22 on Saturday. And then you're playing and it doesn't, why are you talking about this? Cause I coach football and it, anyway, so both of those environments, I have experienced where there's like, there's nothing I can do about what someone else is going to think or what they're going to say. I can't, I can't control it. All I can control is me and how I do what it is that I'm doing. And literally to like, this is a, if this is what that passage means, that's incredibly encouraging that it doesn't matter what somebody says about something. If it's not true, it's not, it isn't going to stick there. It's not going to come to rest. Uh, on that there it is yeah I, I think i agree with gary gary byers is that what i said so thank you gary for helping that a whip for the horse a halter for the donkey and a rod for the back of fools if you've ever ridden a horse i like spurs better than whips the halter for the donkey to pull him around and the rod for the back of fools those who run godly that's just a beating that is a beating so being, being an ungodly, unright person, a disobedient person to the word of God and what God says, that's what makes me a fool. I'm now in the same camp as a horse and a donkey being led around by a whip or a halter. And the example used there is a beating for your back. So don't be a fool. Do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. I think that means like don't get on the same level. Don't don't engage inside. Like don't get in that playing field. Don't get in that cage to fight. Don't engage in that conversation of great example. Facebook. Somebody puts out a post. Don't respond to that post because all of a sudden I just jumped right in the middle of it. We had this last year, the private school, my kids go to that. I coach football at, um, they had made a hire and there's kind of an uproar about said hire. And it started with a, a lady who is a mother, but not a mother of a student at our school. She's an outside not connected. She has some friends, I guess, that their kids go to school there. Uh, outside connection, and or she she's con she is an outsider who is connected uh, relationally, friend wise, I, from my understanding. 
and got on Facebook and I mean, just a post that was just thrashing the administration, um, the school, what they'd done, decisions they made and all those things. And then there were people chiming in and it was one of those where it's like, she said some things that really kind of pissed me off. And, and at the same time, like, I, I'm not going to get in that cage and fight with you. That's what we're getting at. It's what not weird, but what Solomon's getting at. Do not answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be you're like, you're right in there with it. Answer a fool according to his folly and, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So he's like, man, yeah, I am right. You're in here. Like it just feeds the fire and it's, it's just stupid. So don't do that. Like cutting off one's feet or drinking violence is the sending of a message by the hand of a fool. Like this, this, like a lame man's legs that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. Like a thorn brush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like an archer who wounds at random is he who hires a fool or any passerby. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his fall. Like it's just a repetitive, like the ungodly disobedient, 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 attached to all these things. Here's what that's like. Don't give them the message. Don't entrust those things to somebody. It, it, sending the message by the hand of somebody who's disobedient to God's word and is living as if there is no God. It's like cutting off your feet or drinking violence. It like that won't go well. Like don't do do that. Don't entrust that peace. I think that that just for whatever reason brings to mind the don't yoke yourself with unbelievers, which I think is in Corinthians. I don't know if it's first or second. Do not yoke with unbelievers. Second Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked. A lot of people love to run with that is a relational marriage connection. And I, from my understanding and my own studies, the yoking has more to do with business and connecting one. That doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean that that's not applicable in terms of should I be connecting myself intimately with somebody for the rest of my life who doesn't agree on the basic or basis concept of Jesus and a need for him that may make things very difficult and challenging throughout marriage and raising kids and the longevity of multiple decades together in commitment, but also that idea of like, if I do it in business, that may like two ox are after plowing a field if we're going in different directions, that's really challenging. Like that's, that it isn't going to work that way. And it, like, that's kind of that thought process that just brings to mind, like, man, if I'm don't do that, you're putting yourself in a bad position. You're putting yourself in not only an unproductive situation, but a negative, volatile, dangerous situation to be in that. And it like, it just keeps going. Like it's giving you great examples of, or giving you examples of, and here's what these things are in terms of if somebody who is godless and disobedient to the word of God, here's what that's like. Verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Ouch. I highlighted that one and then wrote a note next to it. Be careful about who you invite into your life. I think that was on the I think that was just in terms of all of it. I have another one here. 
Tell me. Oh, there it is. Made another note. Little star there. Tell me where I'm wrong. I think that one has always, I don't think that one has always hit me hard and going. There are a lot of times I feel like I'm right. I feel like I'm right about uh, life. I feel like I'm right about as I read scripture and go, okay, it means fill in the blank. And here's how it's applicable. I feel like I'm realistic about those things. And at times there's a dogmaticness, like, no, I'm right. And you're wrong. If there's a conversation or an argument and I, and I could be wrong. <clears throat> However, I've, I have fought over the last decade to be able to admit where I'm wrong, when I'm wrong and try to be quick to do that in keeping short accounts. And even in certain situations, like, man, I, somebody may not know that I was wrong or I did something wrong. I need to go tell them that I did something wrong and I was wrong to not to get out in front of it strategically, which it does do that. Like it, it is a strategy um, for reconciliation and, and peace and less recourse from something you've done. Right? But at the same time, it's like, well, that's the right thing to do. When I mess up is the right thing to do. When I screw up, when I do something wrong, when I offend somebody, it's the right thing for me to go and ask forgiveness for to the one who's offended in the property authority and chain in life and go through that. And at the same time, we as people who say, one, I trusted Jesus, the whole basis of that thing, the whole ba the basis of Christianity is the agreement that I am wrong, which, which is sometimes like that's that's a hard piece. Anytime you're not anytime there are multiple times when I am telling somebody about Jesus, you're like, I'm, can I share with you what the scriptures say about man's goodness compared to God's goodness, our brokenness, and what God has done for us, and what he tells us, here is my response to correct that situation, or that divide, or that void, or that broken in this in relationship. The, the times it's hard, because you're talking to people who are genuinely good people, it, but at the same time, you're telling them at their core, they're broken, and there's something wrong with their being, and it in being in relation and in, in its existence in relation to God. That's a heavy thing to put inside a conversation that that's not a fun thing to receive. And sometimes it's not, it's not, it's not even fun to say at times when you're like, golly, how am I going to communicate this to this person who I respect? I love, enjoy their friendship, but yet that's not something that has, has, uh, either become known, revealed itself to, like God hasn't made that move yet in their heart to be like, I know I am broke. I'm in need of. And, and for those of us who are believers, who would we'd, we'd say, yes, there was a time I sat down or I continue to have that heart position of there's a brokenness in me and I need God's forgiveness to have a right relationship with the creator of everything. Our position continues to need to be, I, tell me what's wrong with me so that that can be fixed. Now that doesn't go back to verse two, that idea of like a fluttering spell or a darting swallow and undeserved curse does not come to rest. It doesn't mean everything somebody says about you that's wrong is wrong. You'd be like, oh, golly, they're, I mean, they're going to be people that do not like you. We, I, most of you probably have, ex everyone has experienced that on some level. I have experienced that more in the last six years than the 41. So the 30, can you count? The 35 
before then, not that people didn't like me before growing up, I was always the guy that like, you either loved me or you hated me. There was really no in between. And at least in my assessment of those around me during that time, it, I, it's probably about the same now. There's not a lot of in between people either really, really like me or they really, really don't. And when there's truth to the things that are not liked, then those things need to be dealt with. And I need to be somebody who is not wise in my own eyes because there's more hope for someone who's ungodly than for that person. That is painful. So there's this whole list of like all these things that the ungodly disobedient person is or why it's irrational or just negative to give them, like don't give them the message. It's like cutting your feet off. Like a proverb in the mouth of a fool is just, it's like a lame man's legs that don't do anything at all. Like all this, this, the negative surrounding of like, there is no wisdom in foolishness, meaning there's no wisdom. There's no rightness in the one who says like, I, there is not a God. There's no, like, wow, those are huge, heavy statements. All to say, if you're the guy that says like, no, I am wise. The guy that we've just talked everything about is better off that's a heavy like that's a heavy shot right there so anyways uh proverbs 26 1 through 12 well allow people to speak in your life i think that's my t- big takeaway like if it's okay what i want to walk away today from these 12 verses is and humility's come up in the, the last few that we've talked about in these Proverbs as we're walking through this. I'm not thinking less of myself. I'm thinking of myself less. And at the same time, I'm open-handed about if someone around me loves Jesus, they love me, and they know the scriptures well, being Genesis to the book of Revelation, and they pull wisdom from there. And they can say, hey, Case, this part of your life is inconsistent with what God says here that needs to change. I need to be open-handed about maybe I'm wrong and there's something I need to do about that. Because if I'm not willing to do that, there's more hope for the ungodly person or the godless person than for me, according to Solomon and what he writes in chapter 26. Thanks for joining today as we continue the discussion of the Proverbs. We will be in chapter 27 tomorrow.